understand that loss is not a one-size-fits-all. It comes in a million different forms, and all of them hurt. And we want you to know, whatever your situation, there is hope, and you're not alone. That's right. You will get through this. Please believe you can experience happiness and true joy again. Welcome to Survive Alive Thrive. Navigating the journey from loss to hope to happiness. Hi, I'm Mark Negley, and I'm the author of Survive Alive Thrive. I'm Dr. Melin Galbraith, Mark's wife and partner. Welcome to our podcast. You ready to go, honey? Absolutely. So we are lucky to be joined by our producer and co-host, Peter Hartzell. Peter, great to have you here. Thanks for uh, thanks for bringing me in on this. I'm excited to be with you guys today. Well, it's a worthwhile adventure, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think ultimately we want you, the listener, to understand why we're producing a Survive Alive Thrive podcast. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, uh, there's a world out there that's suffering and struggling, and we want to provide people with insights, both from my perspective as someone who's been through this stuff, and from Malin's perspective as a doctor and a certified nurse practitioner who works with people that are struggling. Um, I mean, ultimately, uh, we're hoping to help some people out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that as a listener to a podcast, like we we understand, as Mark, as you said so well in the intro, that everyone's circumstance is very different. Everyone's experience is very different. And I know what, one of the things we're going to be getting into is the fact that each person's pain, though it's unique to them, right? There's a lot of people out there that are experiencing pain and loss. And I, I, isn't there a statistic about that? Yeah, there was a WebMD survey done in 2019 mm-hmm. that queried um, people in America about um, in the past 24 to 36 months, if there had been a loss event in their life where they were still struggling from the impact of that experience of loss and brokenness and a whopping 70% said, yes, they were still struggling. So let's put some numbers on that, right? 300 plus a million Americans, 70%. That means there's 200 million of us that are somehow being impacted by loss and brokenness, right? I mean, staggering numbers and people tend to think that they're alone in this journey, right? But they're not alone, are they? No, they're not. And I would say um, one of our goals is to give pla- give our listeners a safe place to share whatever they're struggling with. That's right. the first step is being able to open up and take the shame, guilt, and possibly embarrassment out of any pain that they're still carrying with them. Well, and and a question that kind of came up when I heard that statistic was that those numbers were taken before the COVID pandemic and and quarantine and lockdown. Right, 2019. Right. And so now we are uh, kind of on the other side of that, uh, Dr. Malin. I think the isolation piece is huge. And since people were kind of forced to stay in their home, how have you seen that impact patients as they're coming into your practice now? I think it's hard to reverse that mindset. Um, you know, a big part of a um, holistic approach to mental health is being around people and sharing not just your hardships, but just daily life. 
uh, celebrating with other people when you're joyful and when you're happy, as well as when you're sad. And COVID has reinforced this notion that we should isolate, we should stay away, we should um, distance ourselves. And I think through sending this message of physical distance, it's reinforced this negative coping skill of being emotionally distant. Yeah, and I, I want to point out in that backdrop, when we're talking about isolation and emotional anxiety and stress and depression, life happens, right? Loss, people are losing folks that they love just like they do every year as they have since the beginning of man, right? None of us are immune to um, experiencing the loss of somebody that we love. And you never know what's going to happen. And so not only is it super hard and challenging to get through loss and grieve in a healthy way and find yourself through that pain to navigate that journey, but now you've got these added variables. So, mm -hmm. you know, our goal from Survive Alive Thrive, um, from the perspective of the Survive Alive Thrive model, is to provide a navigation process so that folks can identify where they are and then engage in the journey to uh, mitigating the challenges and the pain that they're experiencing and finding their way to hope is the first step. And then from hope, anything's possible, happiness and even joy. So that's what we're tackling as we go through this process. And we hope we're providing insight and tools and opportunities for people to move through that grief in a way that's healthy and happy. And there's a lot of ways to address that, aren't there? Absolutely. This isn't just a theoretical discussion. Right. Mark and I experienced profound loss. Yes, we have. Leading up to COVID. And through COVID, right? You shared your story with me too uh, before we started the podcast recording. And I mean, there were lots of tears and I think we went through about half a box of tissues that day. And it was, it's amazing because I want people that are listening to this podcast to understand that this, this truly is not just a theoretical, uh, this isn't just a doctor talking about things that were written down in a book somewhere. This is real life. And from real experience, uh, both in the personal Mark, in your personal life and Dr. Malin in your, your practice and also personal life. Uh, now might be a good time to share a little bit of that if you feel comfortable. Are, are, we, are we at a place we can do that? Yeah, I, I think that's great. And to put it in context for listeners, um, I'm a widower. I lost my wife of 25 years in 2016, which was five years ago. And moving from Connecticut down to Nashville, Malin and I met in uh, 2018 and, you know, was, you know, wonderful. And I was blessed to fall in love and we planned to get married and set our wedding date for May of 2020. And this is <laughs> before the world, you know, went a little bonkers mm, yep. and, mm -hmm. you know, things changed, right? I mean, initially our, our, our challenge was just scheduling, right? Right. I was in school going back to pursue uh, my psychiatric nurse practitioner training, trying to support aging parents. We were we had just bought a house and uh, were moving um, 
two weeks before our wedding, we didn't think we were going to be able to have more than 12 people present. Right. And uh, to, much to our surprise, our plans for 120 people uh, w- did convert to about 30 people for the ceremony. And then we had a party after. So we were very hopeful that COVID was going to hopefully resolve quickly. And uh, unbeknownst to us, six weeks after our wedding in the same house where we got married. Right. So what happened is we got that 2 a.m. call. And the 2 a.m. call was for Malin and her 85-year-old mom had tragically taken a fall down uh, the stairs in her home in, in rural Tennessee and had to be helivacked to a uh, to the Vanderbilt Hospital uh, Medical Center. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a dire situation. She was seriously injured. So at this time, Malin and I are faced with uh, the restrictions of the pandemic, um, and obviously Malin's training as a nurse practitioner was was critical to the family's um, uh, information and insight pipeline. Sure, and we were able to get through that um, for the week that she was in the hospital, and then we were faced with a decision, and that decision was. The hope that she would regain enough uh, function to be able to be discharged from the hospital. We were told on a daily basis, um, based on her head trauma, she was doing great, then she wasn't, then she was. And every day was different. But the final call was made on a Monday that she could be discharged on hospice. And of course, we couldn't bear sending her to an inpatient facility where we would have no contact Fortunately for me, the geriatrician I was working with was very compassionate and knew that we were ready and willing. And honey, I want to take this time to thank you. Uh, If it wasn't for your past experience with grief and your knowledge gained through writing this book, you were open, receptive, and and, um, healthy enough emotionally and mentally to entertain the thought of bringing her to our house And just so the listeners know, I mean, that is a time where you really understand what people are made of when you're faced with that decision. We were told she could live a week or a month. We weren't sure. But we knew one thing for sure. She would pass away in our home. And I think for anyone, that is a question and a time to ask yourself, you know, am I prepared for that? I don't know if anybody could be prepared for that. I mean, right. uh, the one uh, being told, I mean, there is such finality. And I think one thing about grief that is interesting in, in these types of traumatic situations is that there's always some sort of finality to things, but we are always looking to the longest term possible scenario. And, uh, but knowing that you had such a short timeline, I mean, it's, it's going to be a week or a month, maybe we don't know. Uh, gosh, that can't, that's got to be a difficult sure. decision to make. Sure. Well, in the Survive Alive Thrive three stages of grief model, the very first stage is aptly named Survive. And the reason is, if you've been through this, um, as we have, that during the closest proximity to the loss event that you've been through, 
you're just surviving. You're hanging on sometimes just trying to get hour to hour, let alone day to day. I mean, it's emotionally overwhelming. It's challenging. And in our case, Malin was entering directly into this survive stage with the loss of her precious mother. And I was coming at it from the perspective that I, I had experienced loss five years earlier, had um, come through the three stages and, and found myself thriving and in this situation of, of uh, marrying this woman who was bringing me such joy and happiness. And now I was faced with another loss experience, this one walking hand in hand with my wife. And as Helen was moved into our guest room and we realized that this was all hands on deck circumstance, as Melinda had mentioned with hospice care and, and, and others that were present to help in this transition. Um, uh, we were in fact in a situation where we were living the survive alive thrive navigation model. And I, I thought, you know, it was interesting, Melinda, some of your comments as uh, we were talking through what you were experiencing were kind of going from theoretical to... Application. Practical application, yeah. Right, what was that like? Well, I was grateful for you. I mean, I don't think that would have gone nearly as well as it did without your experience and insight and just your willingness and... Uh, ability to stay open to help facilitate communication, not just with me, but with family members, friends, neighbors. Um, we had people coming to help us to sit with my mom to bring her um, smoothies. <laughs> you know, yep. she. Yep. It, it was really a beautiful experience. However, I don't think it would have been nearly as healing had we not had this framework and your insight. So again, I'm I'm forever grateful for oh, you. Well, thank you, honey. It's it's uh, a journey that we walk together, and I and I what I found to be particularly rewarding about this experience, Peter, if you can call going through losing someone that you love dearly rewarding, was um, to see you know the strength that Malin showed through this process and the vulnerability. Right. I mean, we all can react. If if you're listening out there and have gone through the loss of someone you love, sometimes you shut down, mm. and sometimes or withdraw, uh, withdraw or isolate, as you mm. had talked about earlier. Right. And ultimately, none of these are necessarily wrong, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but they are they are various forms of responding to loss that you need to address so they don't become chronic or acute in nature. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, that process was, was really interesting. And I just want to point out so many times people share that they just couldn't see the person that way or family wanted to protect their loved one. They felt like it was disrespectful to bring people in during those final moments. And we really used the opposite approach. I mean, I said more than once during that week, her last week on this earth, the more the merrier. Right. I mean, we were having dinners at night. We were entertaining people all day long. I mean, my nephews, my siblings, um, neighbors. I mean, it was really a time to honor her 
and to love her as, uh, you know, as much time that we had left. And that was uncertain. And um, I, if I could give any insight or any message to people listening is celebrate that person for as long as they're here. They're not going to be embarrassed, you know, and, right. and nor should you. Right. Um, you know, and my mom had bruises on her face. She was in cast from her fingertips to her elbows. Um, you know, she did not look healthy. She looked like she had taken a major traumatic fall, but which she her, had, which she had. And to her, despite, you know, to her credit, she was still so joyful, you know, and granted, keep in mind with closed head trauma, you only have windows of opportunity that arise, you know, intermittently. And uh, fortunately for us, she rallied um, for those visits. Um, one of the most beautiful times is her last conversation with her husband, which I think we'll highlight uh, later in the podcast series. But I would just say my primary message is be open to that. Be open to letting people in versus pushing people away. And, you know, that's that's beautiful. And I'd, and I'd say, you know, Peter, the primary reason we share this in, in this opening introductory episode is so that listeners understand that um, we've been through this not only in our lives, and we'll go through our life stories and learning experiences and future podcasts, including those that we've interviewed and spent time with, but we've been through this together. We've been through the challenge of losing someone that we love in such a personal um, sort of a way. Sure. And this to us is a, um, is, is a, is a passion and a, and a mission to share the idea that there is a method and a strategy and a navigation process that can help you through your journey. And the whole goal of this podcast series and the book that I've written and the nonprofit website that we offer readers to visit and leverage our tools and the, and the navigation um, protocols and steps and recommendations and resources. The whole point is that we want to walk together in this uh, experience and um, help folks realize they're not alone. And as you know, we said before, two hundred million. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> we're not alone. There's over two hundred million of us out there that are, you know, within a two to three year time frame of some sort of grief event. And this podcast really, we, the target audience really is everybody, right? Right. <laughs> There's nobody out there that's immune, uh, whether they, I mean, if, if you haven't experienced some sort of trauma or loss or grief in your life, it's inevitable. You will. It, you will at some point. So right. uh, if you're in that season and you don't see your, yourself in this right now, these tools can be really, like you said, uh, Malin, having these tools in the middle of a really serious, uh, challenging event uh, and, and phase of life, made it more manageable, made it easier, if you could call it easier, and um, you could walk through it with a lot more grace. Right, absolutely. And I just want to point out that none of us are perfect. I mean, there was a day um, midway through that final week with my mom where I could tell Mark was was struggling, and I think. And, you know, he, because he's been through 
a painful life experience himself with a death that occurred in his home. Um, there was a day where I reached out to his brother and I said, you know, we need you. And keep in mind, his brother and sister-in-law were there almost daily anyway. They were very loving and supportive and selfless with their time. Uh, you know, it's their ministry to love on people during uh, times of greatest need. And and I called his brother, John. I left a message and he was there within 40 minutes. Wow. It, a great blessing for yeah. us both. Yeah, and it was a night where we had my family over for dinner along with some f- dear friends, my brother's best friend and his family. And and John came and just sat with Mark in the courtyard and just helped, just allowed him the space to, you know, I think feel some very difficult feelings. Mm-hmm. And honey, if you wanted to elaborate on that. Sure. You, you know what's interesting is the idea that you have gone through loss in the past and that therefore you're done and everything will be okay. It's just not how life works. Right. And the idea that we have healed. And so therefore that's behind us is just not how it works. Right. The, the reason why survival life thrive was designed as a three stage model, inclusive of many, many different emotional responses and, and triggers and so forth is because it reflects our experiences in this way. It's not a linear five-step process, this emotion, that emotion, this emotion, and then, hey, good, you're, you're, you're done. The losses that we experience in our life are woven into the, fo- the, the fabric of our life journey, right? They're always with us. And there will be moments after you've gone through tough stuff where reminders, and they can be subtle like anniversaries or weddings or holidays or even locations and so forth. And when you're re-submerged into a, a loss experience, it's only natural and, and normal that that would raise you know painful memories. So we want people to understand how this journey works and... Um, you know, in in that case, you know, I needed to share and talk through some emotions that were coming up again with me as I watched Malin um, struggle with her mom. And I loved her mom too. I mean, watching somebody that you love and talking to them while they're sharing their heart and blessing you with, you know, loving um, moments of, of, of support and insight and encouragement when as, as your mom was um, clearly nearing the end of her journey in this life, you know, is tough for any of us to go through, particularly if you've been through stuff before. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask a question about this because as you're talking about the process of grieving and uh, clearly we're dealing with a traumatic event that is happening and about to happen, right. the finality of it is... There is a five-step process that has been out there for a long time yep. uh, dealing with grief, and your process is more a three-step process. What's the big difference? How, how is this more helpful? Well, that's a great question. And when and I've been through a lot of tough stuff, right? And I have kind of a a, a litany of challenging experiences and loss throughout throughout my life. Um, obviously, I've referred in this podcast to the loss of my wife, which I'll get into in a, in, in a future episode. But it, the, the bottom line is, as I have 
sought um, uh, help during my grief stage to understand what I was going through in, in the past. Um, it was amazing to me that the go-to, so-called go-to solution was called the five stages of grief. And it's morphed from here to there, but the, the some call it the seven. And But the original five stages of grief model was designed by a Swiss psychologist, a woman uh, by the name of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And she introduced this five stages of grief model in 1969. That's 50 plus years ago. And in it, the concept was that, um, and it was written really for psychologists to help handle their patients, to better evaluate what they were going through. And the idea was that there were five emotional stages that you went through in the process of healing through grief. One was denial, followed by anger, followed by bargaining, followed by depression, and then followed by acceptance. And ultimately, it was a academic, linear, progressive, singular, emotional um, <laughs> progression that didn't make any sense to me. I wasn't experiencing my loss experience, anything like that. And there were various caveats. Well, maybe you only experience one of the five. And I'm like, why is it the five stages? Right. <laughs> or maybe you'll go through number three and then back to one and then you're done. I'm like, what? Hold, hold on a minute. It just didn't work. Yeah. So I started interviewing people five years ago. And subsequently I've interviewed hundreds of people, many of them formally that are part of podcasts and future episodes that you can hear from people like all of us that have been through tough stuff. But that what I discovered was that the grief experience, right? The grief journey, okay, is, is not a start and then finish and you're cured, check the box and move on. It is much more complicated and the emotional responses that you go through while you're, while you're close to the experience of loss is not singular, there, it is dynamic. In mm -hmm. fact, in the book and on the website, we refer to it as the atomic nature of healing, okay. right? The atomic nature of grieving. And that is multiple emotions. You know the atomic model that you've seen with protons, neutrons, mm -hmm. and all that sure. stuff swinging around? Think of those as emotions mm -hmm. and think of life experiences and challenges and responsibilities as also part of those protons, and they're all spinning around. Well, when you're in a really tight container, right? Imagine when they bang into each other, it's gonna happen a lot, and there's a lot of explosions, Yeah. right? Yeah. Now, if you've got that in a little container, think of them each as a ping pong ball, and put 10 ping pong balls, 10 emotions and life experiences in a little goldfish bowl and shake it up, they're gonna be banging into each other like crazy. There's <laughs> all kinds of emotional fallout. Yeah. So we try to help people understand that if you have a wide variety of emotions, I hear people say, I was crying one day and then I was laughing the next and then I was sad and then I was angry and it's, oh gosh, did I go through all this? No, this is all part of the atomic nature of the grief experience, mm -hmm. right? And in that context, as you evolve and, and um, progress just in terms of life journey, you enter a stage where you have to be alive. Right. And the alive stage means, I know you've been through something tough, but if you've got kids, they got to go to school and someone has to feed them. And if you've got a job, there'll be a time where you have to go back to work. 
right? Even if you have bereavement leave. And these things are going to happen way before your heart is healed. Right. So this is the alive stage where you're balancing your pain, your loss experience, your emotions with real life that is not waiting for you to heal. Right. Right. And you're going to kind of go back and forth. It's not clean. They, the circles of survive, alive, thrive are overlapping because you're going to slip back and forth between them. You're not regressing. You're just going through this fluid process. Yeah. And then ultimately in the alive and thrive stages, those 10 ping pong balls are still involved. They didn't go away. They haven't suddenly disappeared that the pain that you've experienced is no longer real. It's just that instead of in a goldfish bowl, the next phase is like one of those pods where you put you know, your furniture in when you're painting the house. If you shake the pod, if you could, every now and then they're still going to climb, but not as frequently sure. as in the goldfish bowl and survive. And in thrive, imagine in your mind's eye that that container is now a hot air balloon. And if you could shake that, they won't bang into each other that frequently, but they will. Mm -hmm. And this is a completely different model of understanding what the grief journey is about, that it's complex, complicated with variable emotional experiences. And we're going to help you identify what a lot of people go through and you may be going through within each one of these stages. And so the, the, the five stages or seven stages of grief, uh, as you interviewed hundreds of people, you found that it, th those stages just really didn't apply. I mean, they, nobody could identify with that, that five-step process. Yeah, that's why that's, it, it, it's so ironic, isn't it? That everybody knows that the five stages of grief is, and you know, people Google it all the time when they're going through tough stuff. The, the, the research shows that as a tool to help people, to help, in fact, psychologists work with and understand people who had been, diagnosed with a terminal illness and had three mm. to six months to live. Oh, wow. So that's very different. It had nothing to do. I mean, and you could kind of imagine it being more understandable. Somebody says, you have three months to live, right. start figuring things out. A sense of denial makes sense. Mm -hmm. But when your mother or your wife or your child or a dear friend or a sibling passes, it's not denial. Right. right. I, I mean, it might be shock and bewilderment. There might be all kinds of different things you're going through, mm -hmm. but it's not sequential. There's no bargaining them back. Right. But ultimately, I'm saying that it was not intended to help us as people surviving loss. It was intended for a completely different reason. Gotcha. And that's why Survival Live Thrive is completely different. Some of these theoretical models are, and please forgive me, uh, the word absurd comes to mind because I remember standing on our second floor in the, in the center room and your sister-in-law, our sister, right. my sister-in-law was there observing the chaos. I mean, you literally are just trying to manage a dozen things at once. And so for me, I wasn't thinking about denial, bargaining, anger. I was trying to provide an environment where I would make it and my mom would be cared for. Right. So you're just sort of um, 
in this vortex of many things, pain, chaos, a number of emotions. And then after her death, I felt like you are so physically exhausted and, sure. and emotionally exhausted. My experience definitely did not fit those five stages, and I could far more relate to the atomic model. Hmm. And with the atomic model, I think that's a good picture, understanding that your emotions in the middle of a, a chaotic event would be very tightly packed. And there's just a lot of, a lot of turbulence. And then as you have the tools, it makes sense that that container expands. You have more bandwidth to, mm -hmm. exactly. to deal with the emotions until you get to a point where you're in that thrive stage, you're living your life. It's again, like I, you've told me this a couple of times, you know, we never get to this point in life where we just arrive at never dealing with grief again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or you're completely healed. I mean, you get triggered all the time. Totally. I mean, and, and y'all are a year out from this. I know it's still very fresh. It's Absolutely. not, it's not like this is an easy thing to talk through. So I appreciate you being able to, and being willing to be open and transparent. Um, and, I'm excited about talking through more of these things in more detail because I think it will really help people to understand the healing that can come through sharing, right? And I know that you've talked a lot about that. Yeah, and I think what's fascinating about that is I was reading um, the works and researching a uh, psychiatrist um, in California at, at UCLA, Dan Siegel, and he has done some groundbreaking work in the area of being able to neurobiologically, in other words, scientifically measure the healing experience. Wow. Very amazing research. Yeah. And the gist of it, because a lot of it is, is, is beyond the scope of my scientific knowledge, but ultimately when you actively share your experience of loss, with an emphatic audience, with somebody who cares enough to listen, you experience healing just through the act of sharing. Wow. And the key to what Survive Alive Thrive, as we keep referring to it as a navigation tool, is the idea of understanding where you are and what you're going through, hmm. right? It's the idea of identifying where you are somewhere on the journey. And think of it like going to a, a giant mall with 500 stores or, or whatever. <laughs> and you know the kiosk where it says you are here yeah. and you go in and you're trying to find the shoe store or whatever it is and you're trying to figure out the color codes and how many hallways you've got to go through to, you know. <laughs> if you didn't have that you are here, it would be wildly frustrating right. and, and more difficult, mm -hmm. right? Similarly, the Survival Life Thrive navigation tool is designed to help you walk through the variables, the hallmarks, the emotional responses. And because we all take different time to process our, our healing journey, right? I mean, ultimately, somebody might be through it in six months to a year, and someone may take many, many years. And it's not the one is right and the one is wrong. We all go through this in our own process, but to know where we are removes and, and helps to mitigate the, the stress and anxiety sure. of the journey and then plot where you're going to find your way to hope mm. 
and then happiness and ultimately joy, even in a world on a life journey where your loss is part of you. And, you know, I I would finally say that, you know, there's a a movie that's ridiculous, um, but funny to some of us called Talladega Nights. And there's there's a guy (laughs) who's... The, uh, Will Ferrell plays uh, Ricky Bobby. Ricky this Bobby. It, it was just a, a, an absurd race car, uh, you know, character. But at one point, he says to one of his buddies, "You know, technically, ninety six percent of us die, so there's no reason I shouldn't be able to live till I'm eight hundred or something like that." <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what, Ricky Bobby? A hundred percent of us, right. you know, don't you know make it eight hundred years. So, uh, I mean, ultimately, we are all you know going to go through you know, loss uh, and, and, and tough experiences. It's a matter of when and how. And then ultimately, it's about your perspective on that journey and how you can find encouragement and, and uh, someone to walk through it with you. And I mean that in the context of the vertical axis here. In other words, you know, relying on God, to walk through us in a way that it, to walk with us in a way that we know that he's present and will carry us through these tough experiences and be horizontally, which is the community that we're establishing at survivealivethrive.org to help people through this journey and walk together as a community through our brokenness. So if I could kind of put a bow on this, what I, what I feel like I've taken away from this conversation is uh, our tendency is to isolate when we feel uh, when we're dealing with tough stuff and what, and with the pandemic and all that, of course, we've all felt more isolated. Even those of us that are extroverts that like to get out and, and do things. We felt a sense. In fact, I felt a sense of loss that I can't go do the things and be with the people that I normally love to be around. So I was dealing with that on a micro level, but when you isolate, you don't share. And when you don't share, your container stays small and the ping pong balls bang oh, around. Bingo. Point. But as you share, your container gets larger and the healing can, can begin. And that's verified, medically verified that as you share, you, your healing begins. I guess you could say your container grows Yep. And and as you share more and you mm-hmm. get more tools in your tool belt, which I think the Survive Alive Thrive uh, navigation tool is a great tool to have in your tool belt, it will help you to expand your container to the point where as trauma inevitably will happen down the road, you have more tools to deal with that, which, Melinda, you were able to uh, experience in real time just after getting married and, and going through a real hard um, right. Circumstance. And just to add to that point, you know, and circling back to our initial conversation about isolation, I want to put in a plug for expanding your social circle before mm-hmm. you go through grief or before you experience, um, you know, this acute stress like illness, trauma, you know, accidents, um, cancer diagnosis, uh, sudden death, whatever you sure. might anticipate. And as we all know, you know, the chances of us experiencing those events is very good. Very I good. mean, we're all going to have pain. Sure. And so my my personal story to support that is, you know, the first morning my mom was in our home, 
She was expressing a lot of anxiety. She was having a moment of clarity and was really scared. And to be honest, on a Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., you know, most people are at work. Um, and I really was limited in who I was just thinking, you know, quickly, who can I call uh, to support not just yeah. her, but me? And again, thank goodness, Mark's sister-in-law was home and had already told me, reach out if you need something. And I just called her and I asked for prayer. And she, you know, on speakerphone said such a beautiful, heartfelt, calming prayer to God. And I could see the stress in my mom's face just wow. melt away. Wow. And had I not had that lifeline, if you will, I mean, that morning would have been so much harder for both of us. I mean, I could have prayed, but I felt like it was so powerful to have, you know, this voice coming out of, you know, yeah. in my mom's perspective out of nowhere. Right. <laughs> like it really was a beautiful experience and it gave us so much peace. That's powerful. Very powerful. All right. Well, we've talked about some, some amazing things today. I think I, I know enough of your story that uh, for those of you listening, you're going to want to uh, stick with us. You're going to want to subscribe to the podcast. You're going to want to share this with friends that are struggling with pain, uh, loss, grief. Um, and Mark, if you could just take a minute just to kind of cue us in on what are the things that we're really going to be digging into on this podcast? Well, we have some really you know important and meaningful topics to cover. And again, from both an experiential and from a, a clinical and uh, all kinds of different angles with special guests, guest experts, and the three of us, of course. So, you know, these things include um, dealing with and, and struggling with cancer, uh, mental health challenges, and, you know, struggling to support those that um, are going through depression or more significant um, mental health challenges, um, including um, losing parents to Alzheimer's when they're still with you physically, but they're no longer with you uh, mentally and uh, emotionally. Um, surviving suicide, uh, raising special needs children, um, the challenges between um, our loss experiences and our faith and uh, the the challenges that we struggle with um, regarding um, how we understand God when we're going through really tough stuff. Um, there's abuse histories that people have been through, PTSD. And then we're going to celebrate people's lives who are living joy-filled lives and, and doing really wonderful, exciting things in this world, but that have gone through some tough stuff. And they're going to share their stories on what it's like to live a joy-filled life following challenges and how they overcame it. Some, some well-known people. So please um, check in with us, subscribe. And um, I think we're going to walk this journey together. It's not only healing for those of us that are sharing, but it's, it's wonderful to and inspiring to hear people share their journeys of hope. For those of you listening, if you have not already read the book, Survive, Alive, Thrive, I would definitely recommend picking up a copy. You can obviously get that on Amazon or any of the other um, big online outlets, and I'm sure they're in physical stores as well. Yeah, the uh, book is in Barnes & Noble and uh, local independent bookstores. It's uh, available to you at uh, any of your um, favorite um, book outlets, as well as an audio form, an audible and 
Hoopla and a variety of other uh, Audible book distribution. And we talked a lot about the navigation tool as well. SurvivalLiveThrive.org, I believe, is where that's located. Can you tell me more about that? Sure. Our website is, again, SurvivalLiveThrive.org. And it is a nonprofit site so that it's designed specifically free of charge for users who are going through tough stuff or have friends who are going through tough stuff to uh, use the technology that we've put in survival Live thrive. The nav tool is about navigating where you are or where someone else is. And it provides insight on your journey as well as do's and don'ts on how to support people who are going through tough stuff. If you know somebody who's going through something that's, that's tough, then you want to be as well prepared or we want you to be as well prepared as you can Mm -hmm. be to help them. um, Because a lot of times inadvertently um, we'll make suggestions or make comments that are, are actually not helpful. So based on hundreds of interviews and research and, and so forth, we've developed uh, tools and resources and, and, um, expert insights and so forth that you can access free of charge on survivealivethrive.org. Please visit us. That's fantastic. Uh, well, thank you guys again for the transparency today. I know that digging into these stories uh, is not always easy. Going into the basement, as you say, or going into the garage are, are not easy um, to do, especially when they're, they're fresh. They're still fresh wounds and the container is still uh, has not expanded yet. You so, uh, do you want to just share a quick prayer with us as we close out and, uh, as we get excited about diving into the, the future episodes? Yeah, we love to say a prayer, um, following each episode, um, uh, to thank him, uh, God, as we understand him for walking this journey with us and for being there with, um, uh, those of us and our listeners who are, are, are walking tough roads So God, thank you for your promise to be with us and for your presence. Help us to lean on you and to count on you no matter what the situation and circumstances. And uh, we know that um, in the Bible, Philippians 4, 6, you say that don't be anxious about anything. And in every circumstance, let the needs of our hearts be known to the Lord and that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. And we thank you for that promise. Help us to all feel that. And I, I want to thank um, you for your your comfort and your love every day. Amen. 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 I'm Dr. Melin Galbraith. Thank you for joining us on the journey to hope, happiness, and joy. It's our privilege to spend time with you. And I'm Mark Negley. Remember that no matter what your situation, you are not alone and you can experience a joy-filled life. We'll see you next time.